Okay, so here we are, Parshas Chayisara. It's chapter 23 in Bereshis, page 106 in the blue Chumashim. What page in the little, it's the regular Chumashim if you have? Kuf Nun Bet, if you have the Chumashim that you learned. Chumash with, we're in Bereshis. I don't know what page it is in that one. Chapter, in Bereshis, chapter 23. In Genesis, chapter 23. What? 23 Aleph. That's where it's starting. That's where it's starting, okay? okay. Or if it's in the Chayenu, it's on the first page. Yep. <laughs> okay? The So here we are. Parshas Chayisara. What does our Parshas... What does Chayisara mean, first of all? The life of Sarah. Okay? And what happens in the first Pasuk? She passes away. Okay? So the first thing that happens is she passes away. Um... Let's, let's get a, a synopsis. I think, I hope we're going to have enough time. We're going to find Okay, so we have Sarah passes away. We have the purchase of the first property in what's then Eretz Canaan. In the future will be Eretz Yisrael. We have the purchase of the Machpelah Cave, right? The Machpelah Cave. We're going to get back to that. Okay. And um, wait a second. That was the first Aliyah. And what happens after that? As soon as Avram buries his wife, what's the next thing on the agenda? To marry Yitzhak. Exactly. To marry off his son. He's like, oh, we need to deal with this. How do we come up and show that we're continuing with life? Is that we, uh, we deal with the wife, for, we find a wife for Yitzhak. Um, I'm just giving this an option, and then we're going to go back and look at things. So, he, so we have that whole story takes up a big chunk of our parsha. Okay, because we have the whole instruction that Avraham gives to Eliezer about what to do. We have Eliezer repeating the instructions when he goes and the whole situation. Um, uh, and the end of the the end of the parsha, the end of the parsha in chapter twenty five. What happens in chapter in chapter twenty five, which is the sixth Aliyah? What happens? Avraham remarries. Avraham remarries. And he marries a woman called Keturah. And Rashi says that this is actually Hagar who he remarries. And he has an additional uh, count of, I think, eight kids. What's her name? Keturah. Keturah. Um, uh, Six more children. Yeah. He has six more children. And in his lifetime... And in his lifetime, Abraham sends those children, he gives them gifts, and he sends them away off to the east. Um, and then Avram passes away at the end of our parasha. And then we have Yishmael, we have the, the, the children of Yishmael, and they're, they're who, they, who they had, and Yishmael passes away. And that is the end of our parasha. Yay. We covered the whole parasha. I'm so excited. This is the first time we did that. It's the first time we got through the whole parasha. Okay. So, so let me let me open the conversation and say, if the three main events in this parsha, in the parsha called Chayesara, are Sarah passing away, Yitzchak getting married and being comforted over the loss of his mother, and Avraham remarrying. That's a nice way to deal with trauma. <laughs> Good answer. It's a nice way to deal with trauma. That's one answer. Or, or as Hasidus wants to say, that all of those things are going to actually 
highlight her life. When do we know when you're living? What your life is worth is what happens legacy. afterwards. What's your legacy? So what do we have the first thing that happens with, a, with, Sarah's, with, Sarah's, with Sarah's passing? The first thing that we have is the purchase, the first purchase of land in, the, in Eretz Yisrael. Okay? Now, a little segue over here for a second. Um, and, and I don't know if this is a super spoiler, but when the spies, when Moshe sends the spies into the land of Israel, he changes Joshua's name, Hoshea, he changes his name to Yehoshua. Right? Sounds familiar? Okay. Yeah. The Medrash says, where did the Yud from Yehoshua come from? Sarai. It came from, and the Medrash says, it came from Sarai. Sarai's name was changed to Sarah. Remember, a Yud is worth 10. Her 10 gets split into two fives. She gets five and Avraham gets five. Okay? And then, and then the Yud, you know, then, and then the Yud ends up getting attached to Yehoshua. So, so we want to know. Thank you. Why do we need to repurpose a letter? Why do we need to repurpose a letter? Couldn't you just give him a Yud, like, from the storage room? Like, why do you have to, like, take the letter from Sarai to give it to Yehoshua? Because it doesn't disappear. I understand it doesn't disappear. Like, where is it supposed to go? What do you mean? It, it did its thing. It had its time. It served its purpose. Move on. No, but go into go into the Geniza, the celestial Geniza. I don't know where it goes. Right. What? We have to remember where we come from. So the reason, so the reason that the reason talks about the reason that he was given a letter from Sarah's name, the Yud of Sarai, was because one of the things that she fought for was Eretz Yisrael. One of the things she fought for was Eretz Yisrael. So when Yehoshua, when Joshua was going to be going in, and they and Moshe wants him to remember what the point of everything is, he's not just giving a letter from her name. He's giving her essence, and her essence is. Eretz Yisrael is important to the Jewish people. And that's what he's going to be, what, that little Yud, it's not like, oh, we need, we need to figure out what to do with the Yud. No, 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 no. It's to help, it gives koch to Yehoshua, it gives koch to Joshua to say, stand firm. Moshe knew that something was going on, he knew it was a funny story, he wanted him protected, and he said, what's the protection? I'm going to connect you to Sarah. I'm going to connect you to Sarai, whose purpose was Eretz Yisrael. Now, what happens? What, one, one of the, so that's the first thing. The second thing that happens is that Yitzchak is going to be remarried and he's going to be comforted over the loss of his mother. Okay? Avram and Sarah together started this new religion, this monotheism, this way of looking at the world and way of looking at God and our relationship with God. One thing that's very, very interesting, and it's a subtle, a subtle thing, but I think it's so important, is that once Sarah passes away, Avraham is no longer the leader of this movement. Oh. It is a team effort. Avraham and Sarah worked together. So what happens when Yitzchak finds his match? The story goes over to them. And to say this is going to continue, we're going to continue this legacy, this mission that we started, that Avram and Sarah started. Sarah is thrilled that Yitzchak finds the match, is comforted for his mother, and Yitzchak and Rivka now become the leaders of the next, I guess, generation of making sure that this vision is actualized. Okay? Because 
it takes, it, it's, it's such an interesting thing and it's also such a subtle thing. It's not Avraham's game. It's Avraham and Sarah. So it's not just Yitzchak. Yitzchak on his own can't do this. We need Yitzchak and Rivka and that's the continuity of the Jewish people that's going on over here. Um, we're going to get back to Maris Machpel in a second. And the last thing is also when Avraham remarries and has, has more children, Sarah was not, she was, she wasn't against other people. She just was particular for the Jewish people, right? So she, so Avraham remarrying and having more children is also, what do you think? He's going to just like, they're not going to also be monotheists. He's, they're also going to have this mission, but they're, Place is not here in the Holy Land. Their place is someplace else to move. And Avram marries. And, and, and if you line up with what Rashi says, where Rashi talks about that Keturah is in fact other, Rashi says that Keturah comes from the root of Ketoret, like the incense that is given in the that was offered in the Beis Hamikdash. Remember, Sarah originally thought Hagar would be a match for Avram to help build up the family. Once Hagar has changed her personality so that she's able to be that space, she's no longer uh, you know, the Egyptian princess, she is Ketoris, she's like, she's like the incense that's offered in the Beis HaMikdash, then she's in fact a fitting match for Avraham. They have more children, and that really is seeing the, 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 seeing the legacy. And in fact, even Yishmo, Sarah kicked him out as long as he was a bad influence. He's not a bad influence on the family, let him do his thing. Like, it, it, he has generations, he has what to offer, and all of this really, when we talk about a parsha called Chayisar, it's not her life, it's her legacy, and that is something that's very, very important, and it's so, so powerful. Yeah, we finished the whole parsha, now we have more to... Hugger, what's one second, talking one second. Uh, I had a question. So if Hagar was an Egyptian princess, did she actually like, leave all the, the, the luxuries of princess life to live in a tent with Avram? So uh, Rashi says that of the things that Avraham and Sarah bring back from Egypt when they went down to Egypt, one of them was Hagar, who was a princess in, in the house, and she said, I'd rather be connected to Avraham's family than stay here. Really? Yeah. That's so cool. that's why. What's in, I think Malki had a comment or a question? Uh, a question. I, I wanted to ask you that, but I forgot. Okay. <laughs> and I always will forget. Okay. It's like... In the Akeda, there's... No, no, we're not doing the Akeda. No, no. Oh. But, like, yeah, okay. back to the question. Okay. Like, there was, like, uh, like, uh, the Chazal said that there are two people accompanying them to the to the Mount Maria and everything. Right. One of them was Eliezer. And one like, was Yishmael. Yeah. Exactly. But Yishmael was thrown out. So, but he comes back. There's a place where Yishmael oh. comes back, and that's part of... That's what I would... Right, like, right. So the question of Yishmael is, he's not welcome when he's a bad influence, but yeah. when he can put his place as helping Avraham and Yitzhak, which he does because he goes along with it to the Akedah, then he's clearly very welcome in the family. Mm. So Hagar is Kedah? Rashi says, in, in the Pasuk it says in chapter 25, it says that Avraham marries Keturah, Keturah. and Rashi says Keturah is Hagar, and her name was changed because her behavior was as beautiful as the Keturah's, and that she was in this very pure space, and that's why she was able to, she, he's, that's why he remarries her. Okay, so the next question is, um, when I listened to the uh, uh, Rabbi Gordon on Chabad.org this morning. Little was, plug over there, nice. Yeah. Well, no, he was saying how Abraham was like the Bill Gates of our time. He was full of wealth, like he was very wealthy, Correct. full of wealth. So it's not as if she went from 
riches to poverty because so he's when, saying that he was yeah, like okay. one of the richest men in the land. Okay, so the truth is that a lot of his wealth, which we discussed last time, he gets in Egypt. But uh -huh. she's she's not she's not impressed by the wealth because mm. I promise you, Paro had a lot of wealth. Right. So it wasn't like you know, like Abby's like she's gonna go from the palace to a tent. Right. You know what I mean? Like she wasn't following him for the money. Uh. She was definitely Rashi brings that she was definitely like that was the vision. She wants to be part of that household mm. in any shape, way, or form. Okay. Uh. Just an interesting thing about the about the wealth is that. Um, uh, I don't remember if it's Rashi who says, but the gifts that he gave the children of Keturah are actually the gifts that he got from Paro. He didn't actually want to keep them, so it's many years later, but he gives them to uh. the children of Keturah and sends them and sends them off. One of the Madrashim talks about, and Rabbi Ginsburg brings down, that one of the things that he gave them was the gift of magic that he got from, that he got from the Egyptians, because the Egyptians were very, very well-versed in real magic, not like wow. slave of hand, you know, David yeah. Copperfield stuff. It was like real magic, mm -hmm. and that he actually gave to the children of Keturah. Yeah. So Rabbi Ginsburg says if you actually look at the, ch the east of Israel, mm. you end up with a lot of the, um, like a lot of the, the Asian countries, mm. and there's a lot of real stuff going on there that he says, Rabbi Ginsburg claims is part of what Avram gave Keturah's children, and they took it over there. Um, but I digress. Okay, so yes. Wait, so going back to Hagar, like I thought when she was sent out, like, who again? Yeah, Sarah said chase her out. Yeah, so when. I but she came back, but then she came back. So I thought, I'm just like as confused. Like I thought when she was sent out, it says she went back to her father's house, like meaning she went back to like not monotheism. Right, so the question is, and. and First of all, we're, we're condensing a lot of history into like three psukim, okay. right? So we have a time mm -hmm. where Hugger was there, she got pregnant, sorry, she left, and then yeah. she came back, and she yeah. had Yishmael. Then, then after Yitzchak is born, Yishmael is 13 years older yeah. than, than Yitzchak, right? Yeah. So then when he's 13, that's when Sarah says 13 yeah. or 14 or 15, depending on the ages, right? Because it's like what... At, Yitzhak is two years old, and when, when Sarah says to send him out, so he's yeah. 15 years old, and then he's sent out, and he goes back to Egypt, right? Mm -hmm. That's where the Pasuk says that they went back to Egypt, yeah. and his, wife, his mother found a wife over there, blah, blah, blah. But at some point, we know that they come back. Okay. At some point later, because we know it, when Yitzhak is going to be 37 years old, right. and we're going to do the Akedah, Yishmael's back in the picture. So some case... He's between, one of the people that Abraham says, exactly, stay here. We'll exactly. So okay. sometime between 15 and 30... No, not 37. 37 and 15. Somebody whose math is better than mine. 54? 37 and 15? Huh? 52. So sometime between him being 15 and being 52, he's made this switch and he's come back to Abraham's house. Okay. Did that make sense? That Did I Hugger, lose everybody? And also Hugger came Hugger back. looks like she came back later. No, later. Hugger's much later. Okay. In fact, Yitzchak is going to go get Hugger for Avraham. Oh, that's nice. After Yitzchak is married, it says that he goes and he brings this woman and he talks about it. For his father. For his father. And one of the things that's interesting is that he goes to this place, Be'er L'chai Ro'i. Mm -hmm. And does anybody remember, where do we have Be'er L'chai Ro'i in last week's Barsha? When Hagar runs away, when she and she sees the angel, she calls the, the place where she saw the angel Be'er Lachai Roi. 
she names that place. Mm-hmm. And so, so the, the Mepharshim talk about the idea that this is a place that was a holy space for her that she used to come back to pray. Yitzchak knew where to get her. Uh, Yitzchak knew where to find her. That was a place that she would come on a regular basis to pray at, and so he knew where to find her to bring her back to his father. Okay, so that's is it, yeah. that's a little harsher. What? Is it like a widely accepted opinion, like Rashi's opinion that... Rashi's a shot. Yeah. Rashi is, says is, it's true. It's Hagar. It's Hagar? Like, does a lot of people agree with that? Or like... Rashi brings it. Okay. You know, do people argue with Rashi? Yes, we're Jews. Everybody argues with somebody. Yeah. But it's it's. But is it yeah. widely accepted or no? Rashi's bringing it as pshat. Okay. So, how widely accepted is, is Rashi? Rashi's pretty authoritative yeah. in the in the Jewish. Uh, like in, in, the, in the Jewish library. Sarah, Sarah had to go through all that. Then she dies, and then <laughs> Abraham goes, "I'm going to find you your wife. You find me my wife, and we'll go on and live." No. No, Sarah's but. Done. Right, but it's very interesting. I want to look at this a second. Okay, so now we covered the whole parsha. Yay! Score. We covered the whole parsha. I want to go into the parsha a little bit now. Okay, I want to talk about. We're doing fine. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. We're doing fine for time. Okay, one of the things that we did when we were doing when we were doing our class, uh, whatever on Monday, we noticed if you look at the first pasuk, it talks about it says that the life of Sarah was a hundred years and twenty years and seven years, and these right. are the, this is the life of Sarah. But if you look at the word. It literally means the lives of Sarah. And Rashi says, Rashi brings over here, that each of these segments of her life were rich and meaningful. So she said, when she was seven, the words Rashi, I'm not going to make it up. Um, each one you have to look at, it's a bet. When she was 100, she was like 20 as far as sin is concerned. And when she was like, tw- and she was 20, with no sin, she was like, Oh, no, 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 she was like 20. When uh, she was, when she was 20, she was like a seven-year-old for beauty, okay? So each of these things are on its own. And Shnei Chayesara, and Rashi says, Kulan Shavin Lataiva. All of those years, all 127 years of her life were all good. Now, Hadassah, as you just said. I know, but I felt poor, poor Sarah. She poor Sarah, up. right? Look at, yeah. look at her life. Look at yeah. her life. Would we say that her whole life was kulan shavin l'tayva? They were all equally good? No. For the first 90 years, she didn't have a child. And that was very painful for her. And then when she's, you know, then we have the situation. We're going down to Egypt. And she gets taken by Paro. And she, exactly. like, her life is hectic. He has another child issue. Right. Like, like, this, this is a very, I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm her life is not her. her, exactly, you're exhausted <laughs> for her. But, but, if you would have asked Sarah, and this is what Rashi's point is, at any point of her life, how's it going, Sarah? She would have said, great, Baruch Hashem. Tov mode. Kulan shalim tova. She looked, Wherever she was and whatever stage she was at, she looked at it and she said, this is Hashem's plan for me and this is good. Do I see it as good right now? Maybe she did, maybe she didn't. I'm sure she did not look at her 90 years of childlessness and say, this is awesome. But she also looked at that time and said, how do I make this good? What do I do with my time? How do I get involved in the community and, and spreading this monotheistic thing. And look, every, if, every, she, the way she 
categorized her life. Kulan shavin l'tayva. What? Hey, hey, Sarah, how do you feel about being taken to the Pharaoh's palace? Kulan shavin l'tayva. Everything for her was good because wherever she was, it was how she had to serve Hashem at that given moment. Um, in uh, in uh, in in davening, one of the things that we say is lahagid babayker chastecha vemunas that we sing Hashem's praises in the morning, and we have His faith at night. And one of the things that we really need to learn from Sarah when we say kulan shavim it is so easy for us to look at our lives and say, "What is this? What is this?" This isn't what my plan, this isn't what I look for, this isn't what I want to do. But can we say, what does Hashem want for me now? Can we, when it's biker, when it's light and it's clear, and we always talk about light is revelation, when we see what's going on, yes, it's easy. It's easy to say thank you, God, for the goodness and the, and the kindness. But what happens, Balelis? Can we hold on to the faith that Hashem is in charge, that Hashem has us, Hashem's cradling us, Hashem is walking with us in whatever situation we're in, that's the challenge. You know, we're here now, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's, we're, I, I, it's, a hard space to, it's a hard space to sit in, you know? We're, uh, there's lots of things going on that are really bright and beautiful and good, and there's lots of things that are, we don't see it. And to us, it's dark, and it's, and, we're like, I don't get it. And that's okay. But I think that in those spaces, and today we are, we are literally living with the light and the darkness at the same time. In that space, we need to say, God, I trust that you have not just my best interest at, at heart, but all of us. Like, you have the global, you know, picture. You're, you, have, you didn't lose sight of what's going on. I don't see it. I don't see it. It's dark. There's a lot of things that we're worried about. There's a lot of things that we're davening for. But we say, Hashem, we are trusting that this is your plan and we are going to follow you on your plan. And when we get, this is my own little editing over here, and when we get nervous, we say, okay, I guess that means I need to say some tillum right now because if I'm nervous, that's where I can put it. That's where I can put it. Um, uh, I really, really, really feel... I really feel that all the tale that we're saying um, for all of our soldiers um, and for the hostages and for everybody, it, I feel like it's some kind of spiritual force field that's protecting them. So when we feel that place of anxiety, which we know that is not helpful, okay, so how do we, how do we channel it into something good? Channel it into a mitzvah. Channel, channel it into Tehillim. Because it's a force field. Do we always see how the force field is working beautifully? No, we're not, we don't always see that. Do we believe that the force field is there? Yes. Do we believe that Hashem has his plan and please God show it to us quickly and with mercy and, and yes. You know? But when we, when we get into that place and we say, this is, this is error for me. I have to tap into that Amuna space and do something that's going to sort of push out the the positivity and the mitzvah and the, and the faith in Hashem to wherever, you know, to, to whoever needs it. And we, all need, and we all need part of that. Okay. The Seder. We finished one passage. This is great. Question now. <laughs> yes. 
sorry, I don't know if this is relevant or not, but I noticed yesterday that in the Russia's commentary, it explained why they explained Sarah, Sarah's age so awkwardly. Like, she, these are the, like, right. Sarah, I'm 20 right. And it's because, like, she looked like 20 when she was... No, it says that when she was hundred, when she was a hundred, she was like a twenty-year-old that she didn't have any sin, yeah. and that means that biblically, somebody under twenty years old is not cannot be um, deserving of the death penalty. Okay, so what I wonder is that they explained uh, Yishma's age the same way. Does right. that have any meaning? In right, it? there is. I don't know. I don't know. I noticed it. I noticed it because they also talk about. Yishmael's, his, his life is given as a, a year and a year and a year. Yeah. I think he lives 137 years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I haven't seen anything, but it has to, we know it has to mean something. I don't know what it means, but it has to mean something. Would we say that all of them were equally good? I don't know that we would say that, but it definitely has meaning in there. Yes. I was reading in this book, it said the four factors that cause a man to age. Fear, aggression about children, a bad wife, and war. Okay, in context to what? Well, it was Abraham? in the, yeah, yeah. It was oh. in this in this in this parsha that that when they break down how they're describing age and how you age faster or younger, uh, he points out they point out that those are the four factors that, that age add the age of man. Okay, and I think that when we and I'm gonna I, huh? I said whoa, bad wife. <laughs> bad wife, right? Um, yeah. Um, yeah, and I think, and I want to, and I want to push out and say that when we can come to a place of, of um, not just serenity, but a place of, of uh, that amuna that Hashem really has our back, maybe that's a little bit of an antidote to a lot of those, mm-hmm. a lot of those things that we're nervous about. Okay, so then, uh, so then the next thing we have is that that she passes away in Kiryat Arba, and. Um, and uh, which is Hebron, and um, and Avram comes to to eulogize Sarah and to cry over her, and we notice that the in Livkota has a small cuff, and Rashi says he didn't excessively cry over her, he didn't excessively cry over her, um, and then he's going to get up and he's going to start the the process for getting a wife for, for sorry for getting the, the the burial place for her, but I want to for a second one of the things that we've been talking about a lot in these Avram and Sarah you know Parshias. Is that Abraham is the soul? Is that vaguely familiar? And Sarah is the body. Ah. Remember we talked about this like at least every single week? Okay. So here we have a situation. Take a look over here. But Thomas Sarah, the body, passes away. Bekiryat Arba, right? The place of four. The body is made up of four elements, which is Hebron. Hebron is a place of connection. The body and soul stay connected. And here, all of a sudden, this separation is happening. Be'eretz Kenan, and Kenan is also a word in, it talks about it's a merchant. The body and soul together are a, a merchant. We're out doing business. We're looking for sparks of holiness. We're looking for Kedusha. We're looking for what, what are we doing here? And the body and soul together are super powerful. And then what happens when the body made up of four elements in this world of, of, of commerce, of doing mitzvahs, what happens when it passes away? Vayavai Avram, the soul comes and mourns it. The soul mourns it because the soul understands that the elevation for the soul is only soul and body. The soul in the body 
is able to do mitzvahs and be elevated and do anything, and there's a place where the soul actually mourns the passing of the, of the body because they're like, okay, our, we, our job's over. Our job's over, okay? Um, which I thought is, you know, we keep trying to, how do we do this, this soul embodiment that we're living, you know? How do we do it? And to understand, it's not just like the soul is, sh- is, is schlepping the body along and like, I wish I could be free of you. Maybe the soul thinks that a lot of times because sometimes the body makes not the best choices and the soul isn't so happy about that. But at the end of the day, the soul is like, oh my gosh, look how much I gain from being with this body. Um, and I want to give us a bracha first and foremost that our souls and our bodies should work together in harmony in peace and to be able to let us do as much as we are able to do to stretch our stretch our horizons in what our Vedas Hashem can look like because this is what it, this is what we're here for. This is what we're here for. And even the soul is gonna appreciate it, you know, when we actually take it to the places that we can do and we get to do it. So that's that's what I wanted to talk about. The next thing I want to talk about is that Avram is going to uh, there's going to be a long negotiations um, about buying the Ma'ar Samach Pela. In fact, Rabbi Raviona says, who is one of the Madrashim is from Raviona, he says that the tenth test of Avraham was not the Akedah. The tenth test was the purchase of Ma'ar Samach Pela. You're coming from this place of connection, right? And now you have to deal with minutia. You have to deal with like negotiating with these people. They're not the most ethical. They're not the, mo- they're not the nicest people. We have to somehow like engage in that. We just had this experience. God was talking to us. It's been awesome. It's been amazing. And now I have to deal with this guy who's going to like, eh, what? You know? So that's not the general accepted opinion. You, know, you want to say, Sydney, how accepted is it? It is an opinion. It is not the general opinion. Most of the people count that the Akeda was the tenth, but there is definitely a, a voice that says, no, having to actually engage in this dialogue and engage in these negotiations was more painful to Avraham. That was like the most painful test that he had to do. It was like after being on such an amazing level, and now all of a sudden, I got to deal with something like this. And I want to add to that, in fact, Avram was promised the land of Israel. Avram was promised this land. And now he has to actually go and buy a space? That's like, he, he could easily have said to God, you gotta be kidding. This is all supposed to be mine. I have to go down and negotiate a purchase? That's crazy. But he doesn't say that. He actually goes ahead and he does it, you know, in, a, in the most beautiful way. Um, and I want to, I, I, you know me, math is not my, my core subject. It is really not. But I'm going to share a little bit of math over here, okay? How much does Avraham, how much does Avraham, I don't need so much space. How much does Avraham pay for the Ma'ar Samach 400 shucks. 400 silver coins. Now what happens in these negotiations, what happens in these negotiations, by the way, is that he ends up paying like, if for that time, it says he was given, he was paid over La Soha, he paid, we talked about it, gold bullion. He was paying like the best, the best version of the cash. He wasn't giving them, 
He wasn't giving them, you know, uh, some kind of sketchy, sketchy currency. He was giving them the, at the end of the day, you know, Ephraim was saying to him, no, between friends, what's 400 shekels between friends? We're good. It's not, and Avram heard what he was really saying. So he doesn't only give him local currency. He gives him like something that could be used no matter where he goes. Okay? 400 shekels. Um, now, the Gemara wants to know, typical, how much land do you get for 400 shekels? How much land did he get? So the Gemara says that there is a measurement of land called a core. Okay? A core is a, a core is 75,000 square amas. Okay? And a core costs 50 shekels. 50 of these coins. Okay? So how many core did Abraham get? Eight. Eight. He got eight. Okay. 75,000 times eight is? Huh? No idea. It's easy. Zero, zero, zero. Do you know how much an ama is? An ama is the amount that a grown person could stand on. A square ama is the amount that a grown person could, could stand on. So when Avraham purchases... The Maris HaMachpela, he buys a foothold for every single one of the people who are going to leave Egypt and be destined to have oh a part God. in the land of Israel. Remember, 600,000 men are going to leave Egypt and their land is going to be divided by them. Avram purchased literally a foothold, a square ama, enough for each person to stand on. That's how much he got. So when we talk about the layers of Torah, Nothing is only one layer. Nothing is only, oh, he paid a nice amount for this. No, no. He was actually purchasing what was later going to come in and be given to the Jewish people. Parenthetically, you know, there's three, there are three, three, uh, three um, neighborhoods or three, three purchases that are actually recorded in Torah. And those are the only areas that are disputed in our current, uh, our current neighborhood. Anybody know what the three purchases are? Chevron. Chevron is one. Mm-hmm. Okay. The space. Temple Mount. Ah. Temple Mount. David purchased it. And Shechem. Nabalus. Oh, no way. Those yeah. are the Nabalus. Shechem. They, bury, they, they, they purchased Shechem so that Yosef could be buried there. So the three places that we actually have their purchase recorded in Torah are the three. We literally have the receipt. We have the receipt. Exactly. We actually have the receipt for that. So that's, I, I think it's so important for us to understand that we have such a long history here and such a long, you know, and, and I think it's like what, again, back to the Yud of Sarai going to Yeshua, it's here. We have the purchase of, for every single person who's going to have it. We have, sorry, sorry. Um, uh, so that's what's happening. Now, the, one more thing that I want to talk about for the, What's the name of the currency of that? It was 400 watts. It was called um, Shekel Kesef Over La Sofer. Uh, let me see, where is it? Uh, uh, over here, chapter 23, verse 16. Avram weighs out for Ephron the Kesef. Asher Dibir Bosnit Arba Meiris Shekel Kesef Over La Sofer. Which is like cash. What? Kesef is silver. Kesef is silver. And over the, huh? It's colloquial, colloquially, it's money, but Kesef is also silver. 
there's and and Rashi says that there are the big coins. There are the centurions. They're like big coins, and they're they were very very they were like very valuable. But over la socher means it wasn't like my my minted money. It was like real money. It was like you know it was it was the real stuff. Um, okay. It seems like there's a theme like the four. <coughs> yeah. The four hundred shekels, the four towns. It seems like there's a four, 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 four. four yeah. Could be. Listen, and the four element. Like it's. We have like the four elements, and then we're going to come to Pesach. We have lots of fours. Yeah. yeah. Could be. I, I don't know. I so, can't speak authoritatively about it. Wait, why do Abraham have to buy the land? And like, why was this a struggle he's negotiating? Who is he buying it from? Like, why would it be considered by this one opinion or whatever? Like a test. Like. Okay. So why is it? So why does he have to buy it, or why is it considered? Why does he have to buy it? So he has to buy it because he doesn't actually own it now. So one of the things that Avram does say to the people, you can choose how to interact with me now. He says to them in the opening conversation, we didn't look into the Pasuk, where he says, anochi, I'm a stranger and a, you know, or a resident. Avram's like, how do you want to deal with me? Do you want to look at me as a stranger to your country? He's talking. If you remember last week, we talked about that Avram knows what he wants to buy. And if you see it in the Pesukim, we see it here as well. Avraham definitely was, um, he looked at, he, he starts his conversation with the whole community, and he says, oh, if anybody has influence, go speak to Ephron. I want to buy the cave that's in the corner of his field. Right? Yeah. But we didn't, we skipped the Pesukim. Because uh, we're short on time. Okay? But, but wasn't Cyrus the tenth test? Not the... What? Isn't Sarah's death no. a test? No, no, no. Nobody counts that as a test. Really? It's just part of life, I guess. Well, I don't know. Yesterday, some ra- I don't know who it was who said that it was a greater test than the Kedah. Like, it was a more difficult thing. Uh, Rabbi, Sh- Rabbi Shantou said it. Rabbi Shantou said it in the context of, like, because no, Sarah, right. Sarah died because of the current like, because of the Akira. So it's kind of, like, interconnected. Right, so maybe that's still part of it. It's not counted as one. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. And... Uh, what was I saying? Oh, so he says, so he says, so why does he have to buy it? Thank you for pulling me back to my, um, so, so he knows what he wants to purchase. He knows that he wants that cave in the corner of that field that is owned by that, is currently owned by that person. So Adam says to them, here, I'm adding the words to the context. He says, how do you want to do this? Do you want to treat me as a stranger and you're going to sell me this land? Or is it my land because God gave it to me, and I'm going to take it from you by force. Mm-hmm. That's the conversation. That's the Rashi brings it into the subtext of the conversation. How do you want to do this? Do you want me to claim my ownership? God promised me this land. Do you want me to now start that mm-hmm. ticking, or do you want to just sell it to me? Mm-hmm. And so they say, buy it, sell. So then they say, no, for sure, buy it, buy it, buy it. And then they, you know, go. So they, they buy some non-Jews that are in the land of Canaan. correct Canaanites. Canaanite, who actually is a Chitite, he's not a Canaanite. Okay. Ephron Hachiti, he's a Chitite. So they're the locals at that point. So he's buying it from them. If you go into the Maimarim and the Hasidus about it, then it talks about the levels of of Avaz Hashem and Yerush Hashem that he's buying. Whatever, we're not going there because I can't speak authoritatively about that. I'm going to say one more thing, and and then I think we're finished unless my husband can tell me that we he can't. Okay, sorry. Um, I'm going to say um, you know what I think we might have to have another partial class tomorrow because we didn't even go any place in this partial <laughs> <laughs>
Um, uh, blah, 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 blah. It would be great. Um, I want to I finish one thing. In halacha, we have, we know, how, do you, how, how can somebody marry a woman? What is the means of... A, of giving them a gift. Giving them a gift or... A substance. Right. Of, there's, a, there's, there's currently, a, we have three ways you could marry a woman. You can give her a, a document, you can live with her, or you can give her something of value. And that's free. Right. And right, but like the one that we do in public is we give her a we give her a gift. We give her a ring. No, the no, the ksuba's not it. No, the ksuba's ksuba is a different contract. That's not how, that's not. It would hareyat nekudeshali written down, given through a person would be the ksuba is, is a different document. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the Gemara says, how do we know that we could actually give a woman a ring and then she's your wife? And the Gemara says that we learned it from the purchase of the, the cave of Machpelah. Because it uses, the expression that's used is, is Kenyan, that Adam acquires, that he kones it, and, and when talking about getting married, it uses that expression, kona, that he acquires a wife. So we know, oh, you can learn that if he was able to use money, we're able to use money, Shalom Yisrael. Okay, that's a weird thing. Why are we learning that you could, how you could marry somebody for the purchase of a grave, right? So one of the things that you talk about is, which is a cute thing. I don't know. That's the, I don't know. I don't know the whole halachic ramifications of it. I just know that that's the end of the. I don't know the whole halachic development. I know that's the end of the conversation. Um, but um, one of these they talk about is that after this purchase of the of the Mars Machpela, Ephron and Abraham both go back and they think they got the most awesome part of the deal. Because Ephron's like, oh, goes to his wife and he says, oh my gosh, honey, we're going to Bermuda. This weirdo cave. And you know that old cave in the corner of the field that's not being used and nothing's happening with it? He just gave me a ton of money and we're going to party. And Abraham goes back and he said, I got the entrance to Gan Eden for 400 shekels. I got a place for Sarah in Eretz Yisrael, who's only 400 shekels. And one of the brachas that we give to each and every one of us as we move, when we move on in life and find our, 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 our life partner, is that that's really how we need to look at it. We each need to look at the, the conversation and say, oh my gosh, I am so lucky. I am so lucky. When you go into a relationship, you're like, man, you are so lucky. <laughs> that's not what we're talking about. So that we, the person that we find that completes our soul and we get to build a home and a life with is somebody that we should feel, whoa, that was awesome. So, guess what? We didn't do the parasha. We did the first thing in the parasha. I want to give us all a bracha. I want to give us first and foremost, I want to give us all a bracha that we live our lives in a way that in 127 years, you know, in many, many, many years, when our time is up, we can look back and say, that was a good life. That was a productive life. That was a meaningful life. That was a holy life. That was a life. Kulan Shavim type that every single part of it was good, and we did good, and we tried to do our best, and walk in with that headspace first, and that's sort of where we're going to head with it.